0: The Australian Falcon is no more, it has ceased production. Now the last updated version they released in March this year was not your basic family hack with a few extra features, but the performance sprint versions with a large lump of a V8 Detroit iron up front, or what many consider to be the pick of the range, a turbocharged 6. It is leaving not with a whimper, but a bang. But are the sprint cars, just a powerful engine on an old body, or are they really a driver's car that is a pleasure to own? Paul Morrell and I have been driving an XR6, and he's driven the V8 as well, so let's have a chat. Paul, it was lovely to see the Falcon go with a bold statement, given its history in Australia.
1: It was, David. It, uh... It's been around for a long time and it would have been a bit sad if it had quietly shuffled off without without making a, a bit of noise on its way out.
0: Well, you look at it when it first came in in 1960, towards the end of 1960, it wasn't a success then. But it sort of built up with that publicity stunt of being driving hard, and then, of course, in the late 60s and 70s, it really got into that whole Bathurst performance-type car. It was a real thing of pride, really, for Australia, wasn't it, that we could produce cars that could go very, very well.
1: Yeah, it was. Obviously, going way, way back to the the early 60s model, the XK that arrived, that was very much much an American-spec car, and it... It simply wasn't suitable for Australian conditions and hence most people don't remember but the Falcon almost didn't make the grade. It almost it almost disappeared off the market way back in the 60s and as you say it was only when they did that 70,000 kilometre non-stop torture test that uh, they could sort of say well look we have modified it it now suits Australia and it's been progressively modified for Australian conditions ever since to the point where now it, it's well unfortunately as you say it, it's dead, it's defunct, it's deceased it no longer exists but as you say it it was a very suitable car for Australian conditions and did the job perfectly well, unfortunately.
0: Well, it was a family hack in some ways, but equally, too, it did progress that. When you went through to the GTHO, the Wheels magazine in the, in the early 70s, particularly the Phase 3, uh, were talking about it as it literally outperformed a Ferrari, it was, and it was a four-door sedan. As, as that, that's not bad. Now, the, the latest ones here, flawed in some ways, and we'll talk about that, hmm. but it's hard to condemn the engine and dynamics of it, isn't it? They, they are, for a big car, a really great bang-for-your-buck performance.
1: Oh, yes, they are. I mean, that was where, that was where Australian cars had, had their strength, with the amount of car you got for your money and the amount of performance you get for your money. And the latest ones were the, the absolute pinnacle of that years and years of evolution.
0: Not just the engine, but as I say, the actual dynamics—they handle remarkably well.
1: Oh yeah, anyone can build a a big engine, stuff it in a car, and make it go fast in a straight line, and then and then let people kill themselves.
0: That was the whole principle of the muscle car era in the late '60s and '70s, wasn't it? That they went very fast in a straight line.
1: If you saw a bend approaching, you sort of got a little concerned, but other than that, they were fabulous fun.
0: But no, this, this one, as I say, has dynamics. Perhaps even, as I said in the introduction, that perhaps the Turbo 6 is in fact the better balanced car. The V8's a bit heavy up front, and the 6 gives you a, a really sharp performance.
1: Yes, it is. Um, I guess if, they, if you didn't have the two of them to compare side by side, you probably wouldn't, wouldn't have any complaints about the V8 being heavy. It's only in comparison. Mm. And yet, you know, we're buying cars... I mean, we talked about the Falcon GTHO. That was, at at the time, the fastest four-door sedan in the world. And this particular one, the the limited-edition sprint that Ford are going out with, it's got performance that would rival, you know, supercars like Porsches and and the like. It's an amazing amount of motor car for not really an amazing amount of money.
0: People talk about things like um, BMW 5 Series and that as being good cars. In many ways, the dynamics of this would be up there with them.
1: Yeah, and that's that's what we're saying. If, you know, it's all well and good to have a powerful engine, but you've got to have brakes and handling and suspension to to match. And that's where the Ford now excels. It's an amazing machine.
0: The whoosh that you got from when you uh, went, you know, put your foot down in the turbo 6 was just Wonderful! I had a guy from another car company deliver me a car, and he saw the Falcon there because I was about to swap them. And uh, he had, to, you know, we had to go for a little toot around in the the the, the block in it, and he just loved it. Mm. It was just uh, amazing. I won't mention the other brand no. of car. Well, he's
1: not he's not the only one who loved it. I mean, the bottom line is that I mean Ford hugely underestimated the the demand for the new Mustang. They also underestimated, would you believe, the demand for the final XR8 Falcon that was released, what, 18 months ago or so. People were just clamouring for them, and, you know, the demand was, I think, double what Ford had originally planned to build.
0: For example, the Mustang, I think he was offered uh, $20,000 above what he paid for it as soon as he bought it. Yeah,
1: we thought those days were long gone. I mean, years and years and decades ago, that was the case. You could buy a car that was in high demand, and you could almost sell it the same day for more money. Um, it hasn't happened often, but it certainly did with the Mustang.
0: Amazing, isn't it? Now, the Falcon, I've got to say, some of the things about it, you know, I think I sat too high in it. Um, it wasn't really what I would call one that you uh, felt close when you sat in the the thing, and the interior was a bit dated. Uh, those, those things perhaps are not part of its nice legacy?
1: No, that was, I mean, I've, I've said in one of my stories that, I mean, it was fairly obvious that Ford, pulled the plug on, on development money fairly early on, in the Falcon's final iteration. Um, and yes, as you say, the interior doesn't feel like it's it's moved on. It doesn't really feel current. Um, it feels a little dated. It feels a little cheap. Um, and that's just because, I mean, why would you throw more money at a car that you know is at the end of its model life? Um, you know, it's not it's not hideous. It's just not as quite as good as some of the others. I mean, things move on all the time and Ford hasn't been able to spend the money on it. And, yes, you're right, too. Um, Sorry, but, yes, sitting up too high is just one of those things that I don't know why Ford does that. Yes, you do. You feel like you're sitting on it.
0: Yeah, rather than in it. The thing that really showed to my mind that it was an old design was the boot it was an awkward, uh, difficultly shaped boot where you see some modern cars, perhaps that's all part and parcel of it being rear wheel drive, I guess, but you see some modern cars where the boot is usable, I think we talked about this last time, mm. usable, easy, it's not just the space, it's how well you can use a flat floor, floor on it. In the back of the Falcon, it was almost lumpy. Well, not lumpy, but where the spare tyre was, decreased a bit, and it just didn't look as though it was something that had had some ergonomics thrown at it.
1: No, it, it doesn't seem to. I mean, Again, it's a, it's a sign of the, the, the age of the underlying platform, the age of the design. Had Ford been ringing out another model of the Falcon, then that would have been addressed almost certainly. And people aren't buying, I've got to tell you, they're not buying the XR8s and the XR6 sprints, um, for the boot, I mean it's still a pre- <laughs> it's still a pretty good space.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. I, perhaps I'm being pedantic. I think that's it. Sadly, it only comes in an automatic.
1: Yeah, well, I think that's the way of the world, to be honest. Um, and even some of those some of those manual models weren't the most pleasant things to drive. Towards the end, them in the Holden Monaro Commodore manual wasn't a really pleasant gearbox and the autos are so good now that you just don't need a manual gearbox
0: i believe ford some years ago stopped producing a manual v8 because they realized they sold about 80 of them and about 70 of them went to ford workers who loved the image but who really weren't part of the market no, uh, well, the normal market that would be uh, part of that. So the the, the Falcon, the XR, it's um, it, it's something to be remembered. It's something to suggest that uh, Australia could produce a car that had features uh, that were comparable with the rest of the world. I think that's the defining statement about this last Falcon
1: and you want to also throw in for probably about half the price of any equivalent car from overseas.
0: Yeah, well, as I said, it is with a bang, not a whimper, a nice way to go out. Paul, great to talk to you. Thanks very much for your time.
1: Thank you, David.
0: That's Paul Morell from practicalmotoring.com.au and we were talking about the last update of the Falcon, which was, in fact, the Sprint Series, a performance-based series, not just your normal family hack.